Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Today, we're talking about trust, specifically how new leaders create trust. And by new leaders, we don't just mean somebody who's new to leadership, but you may have a new person on the team. It may be that you're a new leader, or it may be that your team makeup has changed, all sorts of kind of dynamics behind leadership, trust, and being a new leader. Bruce Rhodes says this. He says, trust is an important part of any relationship, but it is the foundation for successful leadership. Without trust, leadership is simply hollow. So that's a very wise quote from my mentor and friend, Bruce Rhodes. I read another article on trust, and they were citing the Edelman Trust Barometer, saying one-third of people right now do not trust their employer. Wow. One-third do not trust their employer. Now, that's very interesting because it may be that they don't trust their employer, which is this big name in the sky, but they may trust their manager or their vice president, or they may not, or it may be the reverse. So trust is interesting, and it's dependent on how you ask the question, who is involved, and the level that you are asking about. So we're going to talk about building trust with an incredible star-studded panel. We want to welcome back Elise. Elise, welcome back. Hello. I'm thrilled to be back. Thanks Andrew, for having me. Andrew, I'm also thrilled to be back. Thank you. And you're thrilled Elise is back. I'm always thrilled Elise is back. <laughs> right, Elise, you're thrilled that of he's course. thrilled. Yes, I'm back. thrilled that you're all thrilled. I drag Elise into the room. <laughs> <laughs> and Tammy. Yes, I, I'm just trying to reconcile Drew Bordis and Star Studded. Yes, okay. I'm trying to put that to, together. That, should that Sigh. be? <laughs> <laughs> Moving along to trust and how you can break it fast. Now, so let's just stop and talk about trust for a minute here. Why is building trust as a leader so important? Well, I think Bruce Rhodes said it well. It is the foundation of any relationship, and it's certainly the foundation of a leader's ability to do their job. And I think if you don't trust someone, it's very difficult to be effective. It's very difficult to be creative. It's difficult to take risks. It's difficult to communicate. It really colors every single thing that you do as an individual, as a performer, a peer, and certainly a team member and leader. And I also think that when it comes to trust and that relationship piece, Drew knows this about me because he hears me say it every time I meet with him, is building relationships are the foundation of getting any type of work done. And like you're saying, Tammy, you have to have trust to have that healthy relationship. But it's also important that that trust goes beyond just predictability, but that vulnerability-based trust, all of those different pieces that leaders often struggle with and get uncomfortable about. See, and I think the reason I have to meet with Elise so much is because I take trust and I want it for efficiency's sake. If I have to piece apart every single word you said and double check what you said afterward and then read the eight point font in the appendix of your PowerPoint and on and on and on and on and on just to get a simple answer, that is dragging me down and it is killing us being able to work fast efficiently. So I, I often go there. 
which is not where my HR colleagues go. <laughs> and that's not <laughs> something I would ever think about. Right, of course. Yeah, that's why no. we all swap. Yes, exactly. Doesn't, doesn't mean I'm wrong. No, it is exactly <laughs> right. I, I'm with you 100%. It's yes and. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes and. Perfect. So this morning on the way in, I was listening to the news and there was a segment on apologies. And we're not going to talk about apologies, but it's kind of linked to trust in a way. And in particular, I love the historical view. They were going through Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky and his apologies. And the first one was defiant. It was angry. And the second one was more heartfelt and kind of met the elements that the people on this show said were important to an apology. And I found it interesting because the studies showed that the people who watched the first one, the defiant, angry Bill Clinton, had more respect for him. Interesting. It was not a genuine apology, but they had more respect for him. And the people who heard what they say was a genuine apology had more feelings of likability toward him. Isn't that interesting? Hmm, that so interesting. how does that relate to trust? Well, it's interesting because as a leader, trust is that foundation. But here's an example. You're talking about vulnerability, et cetera, which we often talk about here, the appropriate level of vulnerability, that it may play in how the team likes you or how they respect you. So it's a very interesting observation that I had on this apology. I'm not making any comments on that entire awful segment of our history, but Trust, likability, trust, respect. Do you see how those link and relate? Well, I think so often we go down the route of likability because we think that builds respect. And I think what your example is talking about is it doesn't always build respect. Just because I like you doesn't necessarily equate to I respect you, I respect your decisions, I, I agree yeah, when I think about the number one thing, if if you someone were to ask me, what's the number one thing for building trust? I would say integrity. And I think it wraps into maybe both elements of the example that you just cited. It's being principled. It's being honest. It's being authentic. It's being personal. Those are all things that are wrapped up in integrity. I like to say doing what you say you're going to do is the foundation of integrity. Yes. Mm -hmm. To me, that's the foundation of trust. Mm -hmm. And if you consistently do other things, now, of course, you can make mistakes. You can have errors in judgment, et cetera. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you consistently don't do what you say, your trust is done. Mm -hmm. You just are done. Nobody will trust you, whether it's an employee, a customer, a manager. I do think there's an element to this with, with the respect versus likability thing, though, where, you know, we, we always want all leaders to be all things to all people and be the perfect humanitarian and also the respectful strategist and all things we just can't be. And I think it would be interesting for a leader to understand which part of that am I really good at or am I not and, and lean into one and I'm going to build trust this way and it's going to be authentic and it's going to be good. I may not be this one over here and, and I may never be and try to either work through that with a coach or, or, or something. But I think trying to be all of them across the whole spectrum is just setting you up for failure. I think that's a good observation. And in particular, I think that if a leader is chasing being liked, right. then it's dangerous because leadership is not about being liked. And there are times when not being liked is what's needed, and that actually will benefit the organization. And others will come back at the end and think, well, that was a really good idea. That's mm -hmm. a whole separate subject mm -hmm. for sure. But what does trust look like when it's high in a team? If a team has high trust with the leader and with the members on that team, 
What are some of the elements or things that you notice characteristics of that team and how they're performing? I see healthy conflict. People tend to steer away from conflict as always bad, but when you have a healthy amount of conflict, you can respectfully disagree with one another, but get on the same boat and start rowing together. And would you say at least that safety is a part of that? Oh, psychological safety, absolutely. And when you think about that safety, in order to have full psychological safety on a team, you have to have trust with every single member of that team to really Yeah, you can't safety. have one that you think, that nope. person, what are they going to say? What are they doing? Because mm-hmm. it gets you to stop in the meeting and say, oh, I'm not going to say that, or I'm going to withhold that information, which is never a great solution. Deadly to trust and deadly to decision making. Yes. So often you notice that somebody knew something. If they would have just spoke up, but they don't do it because of all those reasons you just so articulately. Well, and that's that's kind of where I was going to go is is the ability to talk about uncomfortable things that are going on, just speaking reality even if you don't have the answer of not being afraid to bring up an issue that you're going to get politically hurt for it or any any of that nonsense that that goes on in all sorts of corporate environments and being if a team if you see a team around a table that can comfortably talk about that type of thing no matter what it is then then you are in a high trust environment part of that too is listening to each other it's difficult if you have people who are dominant or if they feel they have to censor themselves i was listening to something on the way into work today you know aim the, higher the whole oh yes aim higher first and and then this this other message and podcast but Talking about civility in society right now and how something like 87% of people, they feel like they have to censor themselves in all parts of society, including the workplace. And if you have a team where that's present, you're not going to have honest debate. You're not going to have healthy conflict. You're not going to have good listening. And then that's why you notice it, I think, too, right now, especially Mm -hmm. when you see a really, really effective team. I think an effective team that has a lot of trust also tends to solve problems more quickly they tend to be more creative, and I think they tend to be more effective, and they achieve more. Very interesting to see the qualities of a team that trusts. I just want to follow up on an article Drew had mentioned that he read that kind of plays in Tammy to what you were saying in the first part of that answer, which was that trust in this author's view meant that you needed to have every social issue out on the table with that organization and that you needed to be in alignment sort of like that. I think that I'm, I'm paraphrasing Drew, yes. who's reading it, and this is third hand and on and on. This is double hearsay. But but the point here is, in my view, that's exactly opposite of trust. Trust means you can go and have different opinions. You can debate something. You feel comfortable talking about it, whether it's a social issue, whether it's a business issue, et cetera. That, as you were saying, at least healthy conflict is beautiful. And that actually is what has changed my mind on a lot of opinions, because I'll hear the other side and say, you know, that's right, and I adapt that. But we have moved as a society maybe too far to the lack of conflict. And really, it's done in a respectful way. I think people want to respect others, so they don't want to hurt others. They don't want to do the wrong thing. They don't want to be embarrassed. And so they're kind of pushed away from maybe saying what they really think. And then that really doesn't serve anybody because then nobody knows what anybody thinks and Mm -hmm. you're all living this fake life. So psychologists have a field day with your real self and your self that you're projecting, et cetera. And I think that creates a disconnect. Well, let's look at the opposite side, which is what does it look like in a team that does not have trust? 
Well, we've touched on some of that already. I think people don't share information. They don't take risks. They censor themselves. They probably do things that are destructive to other members of the team. So you might see alliances within the team against, you know, other members of the team. There's not a, a collective focus. I think you end up seeing a lot of bad behavior we've documented elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, pocket vetoes, blind carbon copies, just, you know, agreeing with, with everybody around the table and then walking out and completely torpedoing it. Um, mm-hmm. There's all kinds of signs of that that are very real in many corporate cultures. Yeah. And it's it takes a certain level of energy to get anything done in, in that type of culture. It transitions from influence to manipulation. Mm, um, and that's, that's, that's the difference, right? Influence comes from a place of trust and respect for one another. Manipulation comes from a place of self-protection. Mm-hmm. Or survival even. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I could see good in, well-intentioned people, good people, lovely people want to keep their job. If you're going to keep your job in this type of environment, then this is how you're going to behave. Absolutely. And, and it, could, it could get ugly that way too. So you take a leadership role. You're now the leader. And of course, I mean leader by title. You may not be the leader. But you desire to kill trust you desire to kill the trust on your team. Of course, you'd never do that. But what are the ways that leaders come in and just you just look at them and you go, you're a train wreck. You are killing trust every step of the way. I'll get you started because Bruce Rhodes wrote 16 trust-killing behaviors to avoid, which you can look on my website at skippritcher.com and read. But I'll just share a few of them. A leader that never asks opinions. A leader who micromanages. A leader who overreacts to mistakes. A leader who never gives a stretch assignment. So these are some of the examples he's giving of ways that you kill trust. Obviously, if you're not delegating tasks, if you're not managing properly, getting opinions, even criticizing in public too much, all of these things kind of play into trust. What, mm-hmm. what else would you say? These are some ways that you can really kill trust. If I watch this happen, I'm thinking, oh, this is not going to end well. One of the things that first occurred to me was saying things behind someone's back that you're not saying to them or you're not saying in a public forum. That for me is always, always a big question mark when I hear someone do that. Now, there are times when you have to have a conversation to say, you know, I'm trying to understand this person's perspective or can you give me a little more background on how this decision was made? And that's different than gossip or manipulation or just really talking about someone behind their back and then not being candid with them when you're face-to-face. To me, that's a big trust killer because then I I don't feel like I can share anything with that person. Because you're going to do it to me. Right. 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 Yeah. And then you have to have protection, self-preservation. Exactly. Same circle of problems. Mm-hmm. I, I think leaders that, who disappear are the ones that lose me the fastest. Like when, when things are hard, when you're going to do a layoff, you've got bad news to give. And all of a sudden that person who was up, you know, doing the rah-rah speech and the strategy and all that is nowhere to be found. Now they're handing that bad news off to somebody else to deliver. Mm. That's where I'm out. Like Mm. I can't, I can't look at that person the same anymore. And not a leader. Right. Well, you're you're not leading. Like you have to lead when it's hard and when it's good. Right. Yes. It's easy to lead in good times. Totally. I also think this might be a little controversial. Um, bring it on, bring right? it on. Uh, that vulnerability authenticity piece, coming back to a little bit of that. So often when change is happening, and we all know change happens at a rapid speed in organizations, 
leaders will go to their team and say, I hate this change, but we just have to do it. Oh, yeah, that Mm. kills it. They're doing it out of a place of pain, uncomfortableness with the change, but what they don't realize is they're breaking all trust with the team. They're increasing their likability, but breaking all trust with the team because now they're going to say, well, Tammy doesn't like it, so I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. They're also breaking trust with their peers yes. and probably with people who were involved in making the decision. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, Elisa, that is a little controversial in, in this regard. I think that they do that because they think it's building trust mm-hmm. with their team. I'm with you. This is awful, but here's where we are. And perhaps they're trying to be authentic, as you said, right? They're trying to say, I disagree with this, et cetera. But the role of leadership is fundamentally violated when you do that. But how do you, just staying on your point for a moment, how do you stay authentic? Let's say you really didn't agree with the decision and you want to build trust with the team. How do you approach that when your job is executing a difficult decision that you might not have really had input or agreed to? For me, what I see that has worked is I know this is a hard change. I know this is a hard change for you, for the team. We're going to get through this together. Simple. And I think understanding the other, let's just say there's opposing leaders, sales versus finance, or something where there's built-in conflict, right? And you can't both win, quote unquote. I think being able to understand the other leader's point of view, incentives, reasons that maybe for your team, this isn't a good decision. Like it's, it's painful, it hurts something. There's a reason we're doing it, though. Can you really explain it, you know, from a big organization, corporate standpoint of, look, all that money in that market just went away. There's nothing, you know, we have to make hard decisions here, whether we like it or not, mm-hmm. and, and really explain it. So taking more of a wider, higher level view, often we're in the forest, we're looking at the roots of the problem, that's where we live. You're saying, you know, sometimes climb up the mountain, look down, and you'll see this decision was made with logical reasons. And my answer is coming from that regard where there is a logical reason. There's other times where it's politics, it's nasty, and, and you can hate it, and it's not for a good reason. But I'm, I'm dismissing all that for now. That's you know, unusual. <laughs> I'm just assuming it's not there. You're dismissing? I, I've never seen that. You know, something Elise said, though, was getting through it. And there's a proverb that says something like, you can't sit by this fire forever, meaning you can disagree, and we won't all agree with everything as leaders. That that would be an unmet expectation. And you can acknowledge, you know, I had questions about this too, and I came to understand this or that. We might not still fully agree, but our role in getting through this or implementing our piece of this is. I think it's getting through it and not letting people or even letting yourself sort of stay stuck in the oppositional mode. Yeah, and we talk about with change, just try it. What's the worst you can yeah, do? Like if broccoli, you just, just try it. That's why meeting with Elise is fabulous because I can just go, all these issues. And she's like, you know, Drew, you can't sit by this fire forever. I'm like, well, that's brilliant. Who are you, Yoda? (laughs) So trust is incredibly important. We've heard the quotes about how difficult it is to build trust, how easy it is to destroy it with one action or one comment, et cetera. In today's culture, somebody makes a mistake. Oftentimes that is very difficult to rebuild trust. But how do you rebuild trust among team members? If trust isn't quite there. Is there a way through that or is the team doomed? Is it just, you know what, this team can't be rehabilitated or are there some tactics? Are there some ways? Are there some strategies that you can employ 
that bring that trust level back up? I'm assuming it was there in the first place in the question. Yeah. How do you rebuild? I hate to say this as someone who's worked a lot with people, but I do think you have to look at each individual team member because there may be one or two people on that team that they're not doomed as an individual, but they're perhaps doomed as part of that team in the future. You do need to look at each individual and what their behaviors are and identify, are they kind of the ringleader of broken trust? So that would be the first thing that I would do. I think the second thing I would do would be talk, you know, one-on-one with everyone and try and get a sense of what do we need to do? How can we grow? How can we get back to where we want to be? What does it look like for us to operate as a team that trusts each other? And what's our path to get there? And then I would probably call Elise. Sometimes the other option is, depending on how far gone it is, I know you've recently done a podcast on team coaching. And how do you just openly talk about some of those challenges and issues in a setting that's safe and monitored by someone that can help with that? A moderator, advisor, mm-hmm. coach. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who's well, leading? I mean, especially because as the leader, you could be a part of the problem. So you have to, and your team is probably not going to raise their hand and say that. So you have to have some sort of external trusted advisor mm-hmm. that can coach you and you're part of this. You know, one of the other things that is clear is that that regular opportunity to pause, whether it's individually when we pause, reflect, meditate, whatever you do, or as a team, that you don't just work on the business and the, you know, all those things, work in it, but you work on it. And and so as a team, so often it's important to pause, stop, talk about the team, talk about what's working, because sometimes most days, you're so involved in trying to get mm-hmm. everything done, you're not thinking about the relationships, the comment I made that may have landed wrong, the person who didn't say something that they needed to, and therefore it kind of grows in a negative way. You know, executives take executive retreats and people laugh, what is this? They think it's a, you know, a joke. It's not. Everybody can take an executive retreat because it's not where. You can go into a conference room and have a retreat to say, let's talk about our team. Let's talk about what's really going well. Let's celebrate each other and call each other out for what we've done. What are some of the issues that we're struggling with? So I think that rebuilding trust oftentimes is as simple as really talking about and bringing those things to the table that most people don't because you're just on the agenda for the next item and you're thinking about whatever that is. How do I deliver for this customer instead of how does this team interact. So what's your reaction to that retreat kind of words? Well, I work with a lot of teams on that, so I'm a big proponent for it because it's exactly what you say. It's the day-to-day gets so busy, so busy by no fault of anyone's own, but you have to have that time to step away and not step away sometimes just for an hour, step away for two hours, four hours, whatever that may be to just talk and remember that you're a team. And you're in this together, but not even just that your team is in it together, but we as an organization are in it together. And understand each other's personalities and quirks and strengths and weaknesses. At the exact level in particular, and we've said it before, if you have a crack at the top, it turns into a chasm at the bottom. There is a lot of real good reasons for that team in particular to be in sync. They can make big decisions, move resources, you know, have huge ramifications to a single decision. So... They do need to know what's going on. And there is a part, and we've seen it with the pandemic, right? There's something different about being together and talking. In person. In person. In person with each other over lunch, 
over coffee, whatever, where you get different information or you get something that, hey, you know, when you said that, I really uh, kind of sent me into a tailspin over here last week, but I'm, I'm not, you're not going to email that. Those retreats are important. It's not just some boondoggle for people to shoot arrows at. Yeah, I think, Drew, you, you bring up my last point, which is that trust was affected in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And the reason why these statistics are showing a third don't trust the employer is because they've broken that connection. And my view is you can do extraordinary things on video, extraordinary things through technology, extraordinary ability to connect and democratize communication around the world. And at the same time, you can lose what we have built up as a human race for thousands of years, this personal connection, the feeling of each other's energy and understanding and those nuanced conversations that just do not happen on Teams or Zoom or whatever. You're not going to have that same connection on FaceTime video. I mean, we would do virtual family reunions during the pandemic, and it was great. It was very nice. It's not the same as when the family gets together. You're not going to have that same dynamic. Yeah, I think all kinds of bonds were broken during the pandemic, whether they were work bonds, family bonds, bonds with you know the mission of an organization that you're part of. I used to work for an organization where, from a sales perspective, we brought customers into trip situations and travel situations because you bonded with people when you traveled with people. And it's kind of the same you know, type of example. There's just no way to keep those bonds strong when you're not physically with each other on with some regularity. An excellent way to close the podcast on trust because trust is a fundamental element to relationships and especially to leaders. We know this is a subject that we will be bringing back up again. So there are many themes that you just talked about in various ways that I'm sure we will be revisiting because you can't aim higher if you don't have a solid foundation. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher.